Good day everyone. It's still your girl, Dr. Chukokere Norma. So today we'll be talking about uterine fibroid. So the outline for today's discussion includes what is fibroid, types of fibroid, risk factors slash causes of fibroid, clinical features of fibroid, investigations and laboratory tests, treatment, and fibroid and pregnancy. So what is fibroid? Fibroid is a benign tumor of uterine smooth muscle. When I mean benign, I mean the tumor is not cancerous, it's not dangerous, and it's not really harmful. So on the uterine, on the uterus or the womb, it has three layers. We have the inner layer, the middle layer, which comprises mainly of the smooth muscle, and the outer layer. The inner layer is also called the submucous layer. Then the middle layer is the comprised of the smooth muscles, and then the outer layer, which is known as the subserous layer. So, based on types of fibroid, usually fibroid is classified based on the location in the womb. So, if the fibroid is situated in the inner layer and it is bulging into the cavity of the womb, that is the endometrial cavity, it's usually referred to as the sub, it is a submucous fibroid. Number two, if the fibroid is within the middle layer, that's the layer that contains the smooth muscle within the myometrium, it's usually known as intramural fibroid. Then if the fibroid is on the outer layer of the uterus, that is the womb, it is usually known as a subserosal fibroid. Then there is another type of fibroid known as pedunculated fibroid. It is called pedunculated because this fibroid tumor is attached to the uterus by a narrow pedicle containing blood vessels. So that is why it's called pedunculated. Just a narrow string containing blood vessels is what is attaching this tumor to the uterus. So there's another type of fibroid known as cervical fibroid. This cervical fibroid is called cervical fibroid because if the fibroid is located at the cervix, that is the neck of the womb, that is when it's called cervical fibroid. Fibroid can arise separately from the uterus. There is also a type of fibroid that can arise separately outside the uterus. So that's the sixth type. So the next thing I'll be talking about, I'll be talking about the degenerative changes that can be seen in fibroid. What I mean by degenerative changes, yes, okay, let's say this is a fibroid tumor. The fibroid tumor can change into something else, maybe in future. This thing is could be 
as a result of some changes occurring in the human body or some other things can cause a fibroid tumor to change and degenerative changes is usually seen under a microscope after surgery you send the fibroid to for histology and it will be viewed under the microscope that is when these degenerative changes can be seen so the number one degenerative change that can be seen in fibroid is known as red degeneration this red degeneration usually occurs when the blood supply to the fibroid tumor is cut off suddenly and this red degeneration is usually seen in pregnant women like let's say someone has fibroid and the person is also pregnant the person may have this red degeneration and if, if this red degeneration this red degeneration in preg- if it's seen in pregnant women with fibroid is usually seen during the second trimester and the signs that can be seen in this red degeneration is sudden onset of abdominal pain especially in a pregnant woman who complains of sudden onset of abdominal pain when you touch the abdomen you it will be painful and the person may have mild fever but it's important to know that these symptoms and signs they usually resolves on its own we don't usually go in for surgical intervention the person is usually managed palliatively there's another degeneration seen the second one is hyaline degeneration it is also due to lack of blood supply to the fibroid tumor this will now lead to death what we call necrosis of those fibroid tissue this is what causes this hyaline degeneration those dead tissues in the fibroid tumor those dead tissues there can become fluid like can transform into fluid later in this case this is known as cystic degeneration then there's another thing known as calcification of the of a fibroid this can be seen in women who have stopped menstruating what I mean by calcification? This calcification means calcium deposits in that fibroid. It's also it can be picked up, maybe it's it's usually picked up maybe suddenly, maybe it can be picked up on abdominal X-ray. You now see whitish deposits on the uterus. It's especially in a woman that has reached menopause that has stopped seeing her menses. Then the last degenerative change I'll be talking about is malignant or sarcomatous degeneration. But it's important to know that this type of degeneration is very, very rare. Anyway, since I started practicing, I've not seen this type of degeneration. I've not seen it before. It's very rare. But it's important to know that a fibroid tumor may progress may transform into a malignant tumor that is a cancerous tumor it can become cancerous but it is very very rare and this uh, if a fibroid tumor um, transforms into cancer this type of mal- um, degenerative change is usually seen in women that has reached menopause you know uh, if a woman gets to menopause stage 
the fibroid is supposed to start shrinking this is due to the level of estrogen in the human body has decreased but if in a woman that is that has reached menopausal stage and you notice that the size of fibroid has started rapidly increasing in size then it's instead of shrinking then you may suspect that that fibroid has become cancerous then the next thing i'll be talking about is the risk factors the risk factors who is at risk when i mean risk factors what i mean is who is at risk of contacting this fibroid the number one risk factor is a woman that has not conceived or given birth to a child is at risk of contacting fibroid then obesity is another risk factor then in a family if a person's sisters or mother have had this fibroid before then that individual is at higher risk of having fibroid then in black race africans black race they are more at risk of having fibroid then smoking excessive intake of alcohol is also a risk factor of having fibroid then older age women above 40s 45 years are at greater risk of having fibroid but even though presently i've seen fibroid in women in their 30s so the next point i'll be talking about then another thing there is also a risk factor is vitamin d deficiency is also a risk factor of contacting this fibroid then the next thing i'll be talking about is the clinical features what will a person that have what will someone notice in her body and you start suspecting this individual have fibroid the number one thing that is important to know is that fibroid usually don't show symptoms some people may have fibroid they won't know they have fibroid and they may not know they have fibroid till they live their life and die they will not know but in individuals some individuals that may show symptoms some of the symptoms that can be seen is heavy menstrual bleeding bleeding irregular menstrual bleeding you can even see someone bleeding for one week two weeks non-stop menstrual flow of one week two weeks non-stop even irregular spottings after menstruating after the regular menstruating the person may also notice irregular let's say this the person finished menstruating this week by next week the person may notice dropless irregular spottings then another thing that is important to note is pain especially if the person if the fibroid has is undergoing that red degeneration i talked about before the person can have abdominal pain then another thing that can be noted is also abdominal swelling especially if the fibroid is very big the person's abdomen can be very big you will see the person and think the person is pregnant meanwhile what is in that abdomen is fibroid then 
Another thing that can be noticed is that um, subfertility. There can be delay in conceiving. But it is important to note that fibroid doesn't usually interfere with conception. It doesn't usually interfere with conception. It, unless the fibroid is very big and covers the inner part of the womb or maybe the fibroid is very big and covers the fallopian tube area but a small fibroid that is very small maybe less than 0.5 cm and is just at one corner of the womb will will not likely cause someone not to conceive so another um thing that can be noted in um, clinical feature that can be noted it's urinary frequency especially if the fibroid is very big and due to the um, closeness of the womb and the bladder the fibroid can be very big to the extent of compressing on the bladder it can make the bladder smaller and the person will now be urinating often because the bladder doesn't have a space to enlarge and retain urine so it will cause what we call urinary frequency then another feature that can be seen is especially if the fibroid is very very big and the fibroid could even impinge on the ureter and it will not really allow urine to flow ureter is what connects the kidneys to the bladder so in a very big fibroid that is so big that it's impinging on the ureter it couldn't it will not allow urine to flow freely from the kidney to the bladder this on the long run if not managed can cause kidney failure so the next thing i'll be talking about today is the clinical investigations laboratory tests that can be done the main laboratory test that we usually do is what we call abdominopelvic ultrasound scan this abdominopelvic ultrasound scan will help us to really establish that indeed this thing is fibroid this swelling is coming from the uterus and not from any other part of the body and it will also help us know the size of the fibroid the location of the fibroid or the type of fibroid and it will also help us know how many fibroid tumors are in the womb then if the fibroid in the case that the fibroid is large and maybe impinging on the ureter we will also look at the kidneys during the abdominopelvic scan to check for what we call hydronephrosis to check if the kidney is very big and um, and accumulating urine more than normal it will help us to check the size of the kidney if it's bigger than usual maybe this may be due to urinary urine retention in the kidney because urine is not flowing freely perhaps due to the large fibroid that is blocking the ureter then other tests then another important clinical feature and um, another test that can be known is 
and um, blood level we do what we you know known as hemoglobin estimation or parcel volume this is usually done to check the blood level especially in an individual that is bleeding heavily we usually do this to know the blood volume of the individual other things that can be done is hiv test especially for someone who is being prepared for surgery the next test that can be done you need the, if a person is prepared for surgery the person will need to group and cross match blood we do the blood group of the person she you know she brings it she brings a donor a, a, a colleague a friend or someone a voluntary donor who will donate blood for her which will be used which may or may not be used for the surgery so the next thing i'll be talking about is the treatment it is important in treatment of fibroid it is important to know that unless a fi- the fibroid is disturbing the person is giving severe signs and symptoms that is when the fibroid need to be treated if if the uterine fibroid is not disturbing the individual then there is no need tampering with it there is no need for the treatment so unless the fibroid is disturbing the individual that is when treatment is needed and another thing that is important to know even if the fibroid is very small and it is showing severe signs and symptoms that fibroid will, will be treated then the treatment of the fibroids is usually depending on how many is the fibroid, the location of the fibroid, the size of the fibroid. These are some of the things that will determine the type of treatment that will be given to the individual. So usually if the fibroid is small and may be picked suddenly and is small, and it is not the person is not showing the patient is not showing any sign or symptom that patient doesn't require any treatment so but but what we can do is that we can tell the person okay after six months after one year come back let's test let's do let's do another scan let us see the progression of the fiber is the fiber shrinking or is it still increasing in size so the next thing that can be done is there is a drug, a gonadotropin releasing hormone agonist, known as gosereline, also known as Zoladex. Zoladex. This drug, this is usually given to individuals with very big fibroid that is bleeding. We usually recommend some doses of this drug to these patients prior to surgery. This drug works by reducing the amount of estrogen produced by the body hence shrinking the fibroid so it's important these patients receive this drug this drug will help the fibroid to shrink and also help the surgeon during surgery the fibroid tumor will not bleed so much then another treatment option is the surgical removal of the fibroid that is surgery myomectomy what we call myomectomy Another treatment option is the hysteroscopic treatment. In this case, we proceed through the vagina, pass the service and enter the uterus and cut out the fibroid and bring it out. It's important to know that this 
technique is done usually for individuals with the submucous type of fibroid and the fibroid should be small in size for us to do this type of procedure then another procedure that is done is the uterine artery embolization in this case this procedure is usually done by an interventional radiologist they, they proceed through the femoral artery and gets to the uter- uterine artery and, emb- and ingest some things there to embolize it. This will help the, the, um, the fibroid, the um, blood supply, since the uterine artery supplies blood to the uterus, hence the fibroid, but since it has been embolized, that is blocked in a literal language, then blood supply will no longer be reaching the fibroid tumor hence the fibroid will shrink but individuals that still want to conceive are advised against doing this uterine artery embolization the last thing i'll be talking about today is fibroid and pregnancy Number one important thing that is to note is that fibroid will not prevent someone from getting pregnant. Fibroid does not interfere with pregnancy unless the fibroid is so big that it's covering the uterine cavity and perhaps covering the fallopian tube area. Unless so, but a normal small sized fibroid that is on just one corner of the uterus will not prevent one from getting pregnant. Then it is also important to note that if someone that has fibroid is pregnant, the fibroid will not cause miscarriage for the individual. Fibroid doesn't cause miscarriage in a pregnant woman. Then another important thing that is to note is that if the fibroid is on the lower aspect of the uterus or on on the surface cervical fibroid if the fibroid is located on that side and the individual gets pregnant then the baby in the womb may not be positioned well the baby may have an abnormal lie what we call abnormal lie then this can lead to the individual requiring cesarean section in order to deliver the baby then fibroid can cause what we call placenta abruption what placenta abruption means is that the placenta will detach from the uterus at at a premature time you know when placenta is supposed to come out it's after delivery but placenta brochure can occur when the baby is still in the uterus the placenta will start detaching fibroid can cause that another thing fibroid can cause is premature delivery then another thing fibroid can cause is what we call fetal growth restriction especially if the fibroid is big it will not allow the baby to grow so well and grow so big and all that in the womb especially if the individual have a big fibroid then another thing fibroid can cause it what we call postpartum hemorrhage that is after the individual finish giving birth the person can bleed profusely after giving birth 
this is because the fibroid tumor in the in the womb will not allow the uterus to contract very well so this can cause postpartum hemorrhage severe bleeding after the individual gives birth this is the end of my lecture for today thank you for making our time to listen to me it is your girl dr chukokere norma thanks